Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. Well, it's the time of year. We're three days, four hours away from a brand new year. Happy New Year. It's here. 2017. It's upon us. It's crazy to me. And when we get to this time frame every year, I always uh, do some self-reflection, step back and look at my life and see how far I've come spiritually and in other, other ways. Uh, just where am I growing? Where have I slipped? And it's also a good time for me to do some uh, analyzation of my life and say, what, what improvements can I make towards the new year? And we don't normally call them improvements on January 1. We call them New Year's resolutions. Yes, everybody together. New Year's resolutions. New Year's resolutions. So this is a little participatory. Uh, Anybody have a New Year's resolution that you made in the past that you didn't follow through with? Anybody got one? Shout it out. What was it? Weight. Lose weight. You and me both. Okay. (laughs) That's that's a goal of mine. I want to lose a little weight this year. I want to I want to get into a. I don't want to get into shape. I just want to get into a different shape. I am a shape. I'm like a round shape, and I'm just shooting for any other shape. I'll take triangle. I'm really shooting for parallelogram that my back and my belly would be the same. Right now, they're like this, but like this, parallelogram, that's what I'm shooting for in uh, 2017. So getting into shape. Anybody else? Give me another one. Be on time. Be on time. That's a good one. That's a good one. Anybody have like a home improvement project, like a a renovation you're looking to do in the house. This last year, I had, I had a, a resolution. I wanted to clean the garage. We moved into our home, and we just filled the garage with stuff. Anybody got a garage full of junk? Okay, so this year, I got half of the garage clean, and my wife can park her car in there, and now the other half, and I have, I don't know, my truck is valued $10,000. I've got a, a, a garage, half a garage full of junk, and a $10,000 vehicle in the driveway. So I'm going to try to flip those this year. That's my goal. Yeah! Thank you. Uh, <laughs> anybody else got another resolution that, uh, what? Save money. That's another good one. Save some more money this year. It's funny, resolutions are, they, we get them every year and we have these great expectations. January 1, we're joining the gym. But what good is a gym if you're not going to go in the front door, right? <laughs> January 1, you're like, I'm in. And January 10, you're like, here's the key back. I can't do this. Food is too tasty. Uh, you have that can of paint. What good is unapplied paint if you don't put it on the walls? I mean, there's all these kinds of things that we, we have these great intention to do, but we fail somewhere on the execution part. And uh, I have some resolutions. I have some resolutions this year. A couple of resolutions that I have. I want to, uh, I want to lose some weight. I, do, I, have, I have an amount it's a smart goal, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and, and time-sensitive. So I have a goal. I'm not going to tell you just in case it winds up like the other resolutions I've had. But it's a good goal. It's attainable. I think I can get there. I'm going to try to do that. Um, I would like to read through this book twice this year. That's my goal. Uh, you know, some of you have the, the read a Bible in a year plan. I'm going to try to read through the Bible twice in a year. I've never done that, and I'd like to do that this year. Um, so I want to read this book. I want to, I want to memorize a book. Um, I've never done that either, memorized a whole book. I'm not going to choose like Third John, that'd be too easy, but I'm going to try to choose a, a pretty thick book that uh, seems audacious, but I'm going to try to memorize it this year. I'm going to try to write a book. 
I've written about 17 books, started them, and I've never finished one of them. But I'm going to try to finish a book. I've got some pretty good ideas I feel like God's put on my, on my heart. So I'm going to try to finish a book this year. So write a book. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to memorize a book. I'm going to lose some weight. That's my, that's my resolutions and clean half the garage. That's my goals for 2000. Yeah, thank you for clapping for my, my resolutions. It's sad that you're clapping for them because they probably won't all happen. But I'm going to try. I'm really going to try. This year, I've got this, I looked up the word resolution because I was curious, and this is, this is the literal definition of resolution. Are you ready for this? It says a firm decision, a firm decision to do or not do something. Not a hopeful aspiration, but a firm decision of like, okay, I'm going to resolve. I think of resolution like concrete, like I'm stuck in concrete, I'm not moving, I'm going to do this, or I'm not going to do this, but it's firm, I'm going to do this. And I hope that my resolutions will be that way. But you know it's easy to make a resolution. It's just as easy to break a resolution, isn't it? It's hard to keep those things. And so as we get to a new year, you have to start thinking, well, can I do it? I think I can do it. And, and application is the most important piece. Doing it, is, that's the most important piece of this whole thing. Just following through with that, what you resolve to do. There are two people in the Bible that really got behind this principle. One of them was Jesus. And one of them was Jesus' brother, James. Now, Jay, can you imagine being the brother of Jesus? Come on. How hard would that be? What would you have to do to convince your younger sibling that you are God in the flesh? Like, my sisters could never do that. I am from God. No, you're from the other place. I, like, I wouldn't believe that. I'm kidding. I love my sisters. But I, like, can you imagine, like, that home, like Mary? James, 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 why don't you act more like your brother, why don't you act more like my brother? Mom, he's Jesus. You know, like just that, that dynamic. But something happened and James became a follower of Christ. And he said, my brother, my older brother is the son of God. And for me, that validates scripture even more so. Because if anybody can convince their sibling they're the son of God, I'm following that person. And so James says, I'm in. And he writes this incredible text. James is one of my favorite books. It's a short book. But I want you to listen to James Chapter 1, beginning in verse 22, we're just going to call this New Year's resolution. In fact, my subtitle is Just Do It, the old Nike slogan. Listen to what James would say. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Now, a little side note here before we jump into the text. James is talking to Christians. So if you're here tonight and you say, Reed, I, I'm, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a Christian. I haven't followed in with this whole Jesus thing yet. I'm here because someone invited me, invited me and said they'd give me free dinner. So that's why I'm here. I'm here with my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my best friend, my wife, my husband. They drug me here. Okay. This is the moment where you can elbow them and say, hey, you should be following this stuff because aren't you a Christian? But as for you, you don't have to follow this stuff because this applies to Christians. James is speaking to Christians and sometimes we get that confused. We think the Bible is for all mankind. When the Ten Commandments came down and Moses had the Ten Commandments, he said this is for all people of all time, of all the world. That's not true. If you remember when, when uh, God rescued the Israelites out of Egypt, they were enslaved in Egypt. And God rescued these Israelites. And he says, I'm going to take you to a land that I promised to you. And he says, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to give you water from a rock. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to give you shelter. I'm going to give you clothing. I'm going to provide all of your needs. 
And then there was a moment where God had given and 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 given. And he says, I'd like for you to do something for me. What, God? What could we do for you? Anything. You provided for us. How can we live better for you? Well, I've got these ten simple rules I'd love for you to follow. The word testament. You know the word testament. Old Testament, New Testament. That literally translates as covenant or contract. And so there's an old covenant and there's a new covenant. And we have a relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ today. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you call yourself Christian, so this testament is for you. This covenant is for you. And James says, if that's the case, do not merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves, do what it says. But if you're not a Christian, if you, you might find something tonight. You go, that's, that's good. I might could try that. Go for it. That might could help me in my day-to-day. I'll, I'll give that a shot. Awesome. But this is really specifically for Christians. When God says, I, I, I created all mankind... But that doesn't mean I have a relationship with all mankind. There's, there's a step, right? It's trusting Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. You know, the Bible would say it this way, that it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not by yourselves, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. We're saved through Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross. And so it's through him dying for our sins. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5.21 would say it this way, that God made Jesus, who had no sin... In other words, Jesus was perfect. He, didn't, he, wasn't, he was tempted, just like you and I are tempted, but he kept yielding his life to God's will for his life. So he, was never, he never sinned, but God made Jesus, who had no sin, become our sin. So you and I make mistakes. We blow it. Every one of us have made a mistake. We've broken this word. And he took on our mistakes. He took on our sin. He became that on the cross, and he died because the wages, the debt, the penalty... For our sin is death. But instead of giving you and I what our sins deserve, he gave his son Jesus what our sins deserve instead. And he says, I'm going to become your sin so that in me, in a relationship with me, putting your hope, your faith, your love, your trust in me, you might one day become the righteousness. That's a churchy word, but the right standing with God again. So when God sees Reed one day, he doesn't see my sin. He doesn't see my mess. He doesn't see my mistakes. He sees the right standing of his son Jesus who is perfect. That's what we have in Christ. Amen. Yeah. So if you've crossed that line of faith, you say, Jesus, I trust you. I make you my Lord and my Savior of my life. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. You believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. You are saved. And if you've done that, then James says, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Here's a good illustration. It's kind of like if I were to call my next door neighbor's kids up and I said, hey, um, I've, I've, I need you guys to be in bed by 8.30, and, uh, and I want you to do your homework as soon as you get out of school. I mean, no video games, no electronics, no toys, no nothing. Homework, and then you can play if you have time afterwards, and no fireworks until the 4th of July, especially not in December. I wish I could call my neighbors and tell them that. Um, <laughs> they love their fireworks. Anyway, um, whereas all that's true, I can't do that. Why? They're not my kids. I can't go, hey, Frank, hey, Frank, can I talk to Jimmy? Yeah, I told him he needed to be in bed by 8.30, and it's 10 o'clock, his bedroom lot. Hello? Hello? Frank? I can't do that, right? It's the same way. Like, we can't expect people who are far from God to adhere to this word. But if you're a follower of Jesus tonight, James says, don't merely listen to this word, and so deceive yourselves. There's a deception that happens when you just listen to it. He says, I want you to do what the word of God says. Don't merely listen to the, what do you mean? How can I deceive myself by just merely listening 
to the Word of God. Think about it. This happens every single Sunday and every single Wednesday and every single church across the, across the globe. It's probably happening right now. There are people that come to church and they sit in their seat. They, say, they sit in their chair, got my kid in child care. I fought the traffic. I'm going to endure a read sermon. And somehow I'm going to get credit for being here. God, check it off, God. I'm here. I'm in my chair. Credit. And like God is up there going, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to give you a good parking spot at the mall tomorrow. Fantastic. Good parking spot. You know, three extra points in your next exam, and they're going to take your idea at work on Friday. You know, like, like God is just, like, we want that credit. Like, he's scoring us. And we think that if we're just here, if we're present, if we fill a seat, that somehow God is pleased. On the way home, we might even feel bad about something. You ever been there where you, where you heard a sermon? You're like, oh, the pastor was speaking right to me. I mean, it was like he wrote that sermon for me. And you leave, and you're like, oh. I'm just, I'm so convicted. That's a real church word. I'm convicted. I just got, I'm convicted. I'm just convicted. Mm. What's for lunch? Like, you know, like it's just, it, we move from conviction to lunch that quick. And sometimes we'll make synonymous God and guilt. And the guiltier we feel, the, the holier the experience that we had at church. And he says, you're deceiving yourselves. If all you do is listen to it and you go, oh, Woo, that's good, that's good, preacher. Woo, yes, all right. See you later. <laughs> like, if that's all you do, there's a deception that's happening, James says. You've deceived yourselves. I'll tell you who really gets this. The person in the room, or the people in the room, who are not Christians. You wouldn't say amen, but if you did say amen, you go, amen, <laughs> hallelujah, I get it. Because you're so sick and tired of your coworkers always talking about church and always talking about Jesus. But you know them and they think like you and they drink like you and they act like you do and they talk like you do. And they, they look at the things they shouldn't look at like you do. And you say, you're no better than me. Just because you get up a little bit earlier on Sunday and you endure a sermon, suddenly you're holier than me and you always look down upon me. No. You're just merely listening to the word. You're deceiving yourselves. You're deceiving yourselves we talk the talk but often we don't walk the walk i love engaging people who are far from god it's one of my favorite things to do now that's weird but that's just how i'm wired and the number one thing that i hear them say people who say i don't want to come to church the number one reason they don't want to come to a house like this is because they think that this is a room full of oh you've heard it too okay fantastic hypocrites you're all a bunch of hypocrites you listen to the word you don't do what the word says my church, my family, if we get this, we can eradicate the number one excuse that non-believers have for not attending this house. This is that important. I think about, I like, I like the Miami Dolphins and the Dallas Cowboys, and yes, I can be a legion to both teams. They're both in the playoffs. It's so exciting. It's never happened, as far as I can remember. And uh, so imagine we're watching the Cowboys, and, and, uh, and I don't know what your favorite play in a football game is. Maybe it's like the, the long pass, like the Hail Mary pass at the end of a game. Maybe it's a breakaway run. I love those bone-jarring tackles, you know, where it's like, oh, rewind, rewind, rewind. No! You know, you just have to watch it seven or eight times. I love this. Your favorite play is probably not the huddle. I doubt that's your favorite. Oh, the huddle, yes! Shh, they're huddling. Like Nobody gets excited about the huddle. But imagine that we're watching, we're watching the Cowboys play the Eagles on Sunday, and you see Dak Prescott, and he's like, okay, okay, huddle up, huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. Okay. All right, here we go. All right. Jason, you're going to do this. Cole, you're going to do this. Terrence, you're going to do this. Des, you're going to do this. Ready? Break. And they break the huddle, and they all go to the sidelines. 
He goes, what, ha- what happened? Somebody called Tommy out. What happened? I don't understand. What's going on? What's going on? And then they all get back on the field. Like, all right, all right, come here, come here. All right, you're going to run. You're going to run a slant. You're going to run a curl. You're going to run a post. Ready? Break. And they all go to the sidelines. And they get back out on the field and they huddle up. They huddle up. All right, all right. Here, you're going to run this. You're going to run this. You're going to run this. Ready? Break. And they go to the side. After a while, you go, what are you doing? Run a play already. And to a large degree, that's what the world sees when they look at the American church. That we would have our quarterback, Pastor Rex Johnson, call a play from the greatest playbook that's ever been written. And he says, you're going to do this, 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 ready, break! And we all go, oh, that was so good. Man, I can't wait to huddle up next week and get another play from coach. That was good. Woo! Woo-hoo! I'm coming back Wednesday. I'm gonna, here we go. Let's huddle up, guys. Let's huddle up. We're going to get another play. All right. That was a good play last week. How's it going? What's the play you got for us this week? And the world's going, run a play already. Get out there and do something. If we're the church, be the church. Just do it. Believing something is great. That's great. But application makes all the difference. And James gives us maybe a better illustration. Look at James 1, 23 and 24. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says. It's like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So James says, okay, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like when you look in a mirror, which everybody in the room has done at least one, if not ten times today. And they didn't have mirrors like we have, like high-def glass mirrors with light bulbs all around us so we can see into our pores. But he, they had probably like a, a piece of metal or a piece of tin or a piece of bronze or maybe just a basin of water they bathed in in the morning they could see the reflection. I mean, that, their mirrors were not high-def. But uh, he says, it's like you're looking in a mirror. You ever been there like in the morning? You wake up and you got that morning hair. You got that cowlick, this, you know, and you got another one, right? And you got that acne that just built in the night and it's like, whoa, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And you just, you go in, you go, oh, oh, right? He says, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like you're sitting in church. It's kind of like you're sitting in church and you go, oh, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, that's good. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, wow. See you next week, right? It's kind of like, it's kind of like you getting it up in the morning, you're looking in the mirror, and you go, oh, wow. Off to my day. Like, that's kind of what it's like. That you just start your day and you don't address that, you know? You have an oh, wow bag. Some of you have, you have, look at your counter when you get home. You've got oh, wow products. Probably hundreds of dollars of oh, wow products that just help your oh, wows. Oh, I've got some concealer and I've got some hairspray and some gel. You've got all of these products to fix your oh, wow moments in the mirror. And James says, once you pass the age of 12, you, you, you don't do that anymore. You, you got, when, you leave the, when you leave the mirror, when everything is just right, when it's perfect, I look good. And then you go, right? When you look good. And James says we're spending more time, more energy, more effort, potentially more money fixing the, the, the person, the physical appearance that we see in the, in the physical mirror than we do in the mirror of our own heart. When God would say, 
hey, how does this line up with this? Hey, read. You need to stop doing that. Hey, you need to stop looking at that. You don't need to hang out with that person anymore. You need to break up with her or him. You need to stop abusing alcohol and that, like you do. You need to stop doing that. You got to quit that. You got to be more disciplined in this area. All of these things. We're committed to the things that don't make that big of a difference. And we're not committed to the things that make the big difference in the quality and the direction of our lives. I promise you, you could have perfect hair and your makeup could be all in place. And that really doesn't matter to the quality and direction of your life. But you know what does matter to the quality and direction of your life? It's what this word says about how you're supposed to be a husband and how you're supposed to be a wife. It's in here. Your marriages that stink, there is an answer in here. It's available to everybody in the room. Tells you how to train up your kids in the way that they should go so they will not depart from it. Teaches you how to honor your mom and your father. It teaches you how to have integrity at work, in the the office, in the workplace. All that's right here, and that will set the course, the direction, the quality of your entire life. You know what I want to bet? Is that in your biggest regret, whatever your biggest regret is in life, I don't even know what it is. I don't have to know. But whatever your biggest regret, something popped into your head just now. That was my biggest regret that I've had in my life. And whatever that was, maybe it was a, a night, maybe it was a week, maybe it was a spring break week, maybe it was a whole month, maybe it was a season, man, the, 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 the fall of my junior year in college. Whatever that was, that, you said that, that semester, that week, that month, that night, that, if I could do that over again, I would make so many different decisions My life would take a different trajectory. Things would be different if I could just go back and redo that part of my life. My guess is, in that moment, whether it was a month or a week or a night, my guess is that your hair was perfect. That your makeup was spot on. In fact, your makeup was so spot on that that led to part of the problem. And if you could go back, yeah, you look good, but you'd never behave more improperly. Your lack of application got you into a mess, and so you deceived yourself. I can't grow a beard. I wish I could. I really want to grow a beard. Uh, Like a Chris Winslet man beard. Have you seen Chris Winslet's beard? It's the best beard I've ever seen. It's It's like the Paul Bunyan of beards. It's incredible. I don't know if Chris is here, but it's a great beard. And 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 I want I like that's my that's my ideal face is I want to shave my head and grow a thick beard but I'm not going to grow I'm not shaving the head unless I grow a beard and I can't grow a beard so you're stuck with this hair um but when my, my beard comes in it's real patchy it looks really really ugly and so imagine if I didn't shave for for a few days and I came into work and I was I'm at, well I'm in the mirror oh wow right I need to shave that that is ugly that is a mess yeah, you know, and I go to work, and Pastor Brad comes in, Pastor Brandon comes in, whoa, you need to shave, yeah, I know, I know, I saw it in the mirror, I sh- should have shaved, I know, I should shave, Pastor Rex comes in, son, what are you doing, you look a mess, I know, I know, I know, I should have shaved, I should have shaved, and then we get in our life groups, right, we're starting life groups back at the end of January, in our life groups, and my life group's like, Reed, what, what's going on, man, you, you look like a wreck, man, you need to shave, I know, I know, I know, I should have, sh- in fact, can we just pray, can we pray that I would start shaving, let's just, let's get together, come here, let's pray, Lord, help me to shave, right, someone going to slap me and go, shave, and that's kind of what we're doing, right, I know, I know, 
Some of us have been struggling with the same habits and overindulgences for years and years and years. I know I should do that. I know, I know, I know. We'll just pray about it. Let's be, I'm, at least I'm honest about it. At least I'm transparent about this that I've been struggling with for years. Let's, let's just pray about it. And, and, and God's going, just do it. Just don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Just do it. Just do it. Make a firm decision. To do or to not do something. So I'm, I'm, I'm resolutely de- deciding I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm shaving. Or whatever that is that we're struggling with. Right? Application is everything. It's what you do. Not what you intend to do. Not what you ought to do. Not what God convicts you to do. It's what you do that matters. Let's look at the next verse. James 1.25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law... That's got to be a typo. Let me read that again. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that, yeah, that's what it says, that gives freedom. I need to double check that. Let me look and make sure that's what it says. That's what it says. Isn't that weird? The perfect, how can law give freedom? That doesn't make any sense at all. Law, when I think about law, I think about rules and regulations and restrictions. I don't think freedom. I think opposite of freedom. I think narrow. I think, you know, in bondage. I don't think... I don't think about the perfect law giving any kind of freedom. Some of you would say, read my pushback to scripture. In fact, I have a good friend who says, I don't want to become a follower of Jesus Christ because I know what the book says. And if I'm going to say I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I probably should live according to the book. He gets the hypocrisy and I don't want to be a hypocrite. So I don't want to become that because I don't have to do this. And there's a lot of rules. I'm just not into that. That's his pushback. But then I started thinking about it just a little bit, just Hang with me. When I was young, my mom used to tell me, she said, Reed, when you get a dollar, you need to give a dime to Jesus, and you need to save a dime, and then you can blow the other 80 cents, right, or whatever. Honor God with all your finances, but she said, that's yours. Ten percent, ten, a dime is God's, and a dime is, is savings. That sounded really good when we're talking about dimes. <laughs> but then I got older, started making hundreds of dollars, and now I'm tithing hundreds of dollars, and I'm saving hundreds of dollars, and I'm that's, that's harder. That's much, much more difficult. That doesn't sound like freedom to me. Freedom sounds like I can just spend my money however I want to spend my money. It's my money. I worked hard for this money. It's my money. I should do whatever I want to with my money. This is my money. That's freedom. That's not free. Freedom is not, is not giving it away. That doesn't make any sense. But for whatever reason, I kind of believed my mom. She's a pretty wise lady. And so I started tithing and I kept tithing. And in my teenage years and my young adult years and today I'm, I tithe, I give, I give, I give. And you know what's funny? Is I'm financially free today. I have financial peace. We don't have, uh, there, there's, never been, there's never been not one single solitary day in our 10 years of marriage where we were afraid of the first of the month. Not one time. And there are friends of mine who in their late teens and early 20s, they just kind of lived vicariously and they just were spending credit cards, money they didn't have. And, and they, they blew it and they had a great time. And that sounded like freedom. But you ask them today when they're tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, where is the freedom in that? They are enslaved. I help run the team that, that help run our, our financial assistance ministry here at Christian Life Austin. And the number of requests that we get every month is, is astounding. And I, I, I'm heartbroken for these people because and, and, and some of you are here in the room tonight. And I wish we could help everybody that comes in because I know the situation you're in. But at some point in the past, you made a, a decision that you said, this is freedom. But you ask them where the freedom is when they say, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make rent. 
And I may be on the streets if I don't find a way to make ends meet. There's no freedom in that. Then I think about like the Bible would say things, it talks a lot about morality in the Bible. And, and one that I wrestled with a lot as a teenager, and most teenagers do, especially teenage guys, is the whole sexuality thing. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits outside their body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. And I, I wrestled with that. I'm like, flee from sexual immorality. I want to flirt with sexual immorality. That sounds fun, right? So I'm 14, 15. I've got these hormones going, and I'm, I'm curious, right? I mean, I know we're supposed to wait till you get married. I don't know if I'm ever going to get married. I'd like to try that stuff out. But there was a guy named Terry Duncan who was a Sunday school teacher of mine who told me, he says, Genesis 2.24 says, for this reason a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And he said, boys, when you become one flesh, you don't become one flesh because of a ring on a finger or vows that you say or a kiss at the altar. You become one flesh through an act of sex. And he says, once you're one flesh, you can't unone one. I can't unone one. So they're always going to have a piece of me. And he says, if you have 15, 20, 25 partners, you're going to have a piece of you with every single one of those people. Where does it sound like at 14, 15 that freedom is, hey, it's my body. I'll do whatever I want to with my body. As someone who's married for 10 years and had one partner for my entire life, I can say there is great freedom Amen. in having her as my only person. Amen. There's great freedom in that. And Jason, I would try to honor God in our relationship. And, and I'm free from a lot of those thoughts. And I have friends who, who lived... Um, promiscuously in their teens and 20s and maybe even 30s. And, and if I am sitting with them in my office, if I can be honest, I do a lot of counseling. Um, there's no freedom in that. There's a lot of bondage. And a lot of tears down faces saying, I wish I would have just said no. Perfect law that gives freedom. And then I think about just, just after that text in verses 19 and 20, it says, don't you know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your body. It says to honor God with your body. That's one of the reasons I want to lose some weight this year is because I need to honor God better with my food. But when I was 17, I was working at a radio station, and uh, we had bands come in all the time, and I was around a lot of uh, d- just that disc jockey world. They're, they're, I, was, I was one of two Christians in the, entire, uh, in the entire station, and I was around a lot of drugs. And there were times where I was like, you know what, I just kind of want to, just see what that's all about. You know, what's, what's the big deal? Just one time. Just check it out. But for whatever reason, I just said, you know what? I want to honor the Lord with my body. I want to honor the Lord with my body. Now, freedom sounds like I should be able to do whatever I want to do. It's just, it's, just a, it's just one little hit. But again, as someone who does a lot of counseling, I've met people who say, I, I, I wish I would have never started because now I can't stop. I met a guy in New Orleans, Louisiana. We were doing a mission trip out there when, when Katrina hit. And we went down to uh, the French Quarter, and there were a lot of homeless people that were just gathered, congregate, congregated down there. And I told our, we had a youth group, and I said, I want you, each of you to go hang out with one person for an hour and a half. Don't bounce around. I want you to get to know their story, and hopefully you'll get a chance to share your story. And so I sat down with a guy, and we talked for an hour and a half. And uh, he started telling me that he's got a wife, he's got kids. He's got a beautiful home, and he can go back today if he'd give up the bottle, and he wouldn't do it. It was cold, and, 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 and uh, I mean, cold as New Orleans gets, and, and I'm just going, you have a home, you've got a wife, and he said, I, 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 he gave me a number, he said, would you call my wife and just tell her that I love her? Sure, 
So I get back to the church where we were staying, and I called his wife, and I didn't really know if she'd even answer the phone. And I said, listen, I, you don't know me. My name's Pastor Reed. I just got done talking to your husband, and he just wanted me to call you and tell you that he loves you in tears immediately on the phone. Just, <laughs> And she says, I love my husband so much. My kids miss him so much. And we've given him an open invitation. All we say is please don't bring the bottle with you. And he's choosing the bottle over his family. Where's the freedom in that? Perfect law that gives freedom. I think about forgiveness. You know, God would say we're supposed to forgive when somebody wrongs us. Well, that doesn't sound like freedom. Freedom sounds like I should hold a grudge. In fact, I should hold a grudge and they should have to apologize to me. They should have to apologize to me three times, three times and be on their knees on the third time before I'm going to forgive them. Three times and on the knees, on the knees. On, but now, and then I'll, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. Like, that's the freedom. And God would say, no, 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 no. You have to just forgive them. You just have to say, you don't owe me. You don't owe me. That's what forgiveness is. You, it's almost like they're getting off scot-free. What are you talking about, God? Let them off scot-free. First, they wrong me. I thought you were on my team. Strike them with a lightning bolt or something. Do that thing. Do that thing. That pillar of salt thing. Let's do that. I thought you were on my team. God's like, no, forgive them. Wait a minute, they wronged me. Now you're wronging me. Now I've got to just let them off. So now I'm wronging me. They wronged me. You wronged me. I wronged me. This sounds wrong. Where's the freedom in that? Let me ask you this. Have you ever had anger? Is there freedom in anger? Is there freedom in resentment? The, the thing I've found in 35 years of life, 30, am I 36? I don't even know how old I am. How old? I'm 36. I'm 36. I'm 36. That's pathetic. I didn't know how old I was. In 36, I'm in my late 30s. That was the depressing thing. I, I remember that now. Uh, in 36 years of life, I've learned the longer I hold the grudge, the longer the grudge has a hold of me. And there is true freedom in saying, you don't owe me. It's okay. I forgive you. Isn't that crazy? I can keep going. I won't. But listen, the perfect law that gives freedom. Just think about our road laws. Like, some of you would like it if we didn't have a speed limit. You'd think, that'd be awesome. I've got a car that says 160. I'd like to top that thing out, see how fast that could go. But let's be honest, if we could all drive 160 on Mopac, how many of you would ever get on Mopac? No hands. We would be fearful for our safety. We would never leave our family. I'm not, I'll just order in. Pizza again. Pizza again. Right? It's the laws of the road that give us freedom and liberty to drive around safely. Isn't that wild? James says, if you'll look intently into the perfect law, it does give you freedom. You may not know that initially. You may be doing something. I don't experience that initially, but you will experience it eventually. You may not know it or realize it initially, but you will experience it eventually. Let's keep going to the end of verse 25. And continues in it, it continues in the perfect law, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. There it is again. Just do it. They'll be blessed in what they do. I think James is exactly right. In the application, there's liberty. In the doing it, in the resolution. I'm making a firm decision to do this or not do this. There is freedom. I'm going to ask Randy to join me. Uh, doing all, it makes all the difference. There's one other person that really camped out on this thought, and it was Jesus. And uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, which is the greatest sermon, in my opinion, that's ever been preached, 
he closes the whole thing out. He says, all these things, don't judge other people. Give, it'll be given to you. All these great things. Blessed is the one. There's all these great things. And he ends his whole talk in Matthew 7 with this. Verses 24 and 25. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Don't merely listen to the words and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. He says, whoever hears these words of mine, don't just listen, but you got to do what it says. you got to put them into practice. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. I don't like that. When I'm 14, 15, 16 years old, it's much easier, let me just say, to build your house on the sand. It just is. Building a house on the rock, I've never built a house on the rock, but it seems like that'd be much more difficult than building a house on the sand. Sometimes this is difficult. Sometimes obeying this, heeding to this word, saying, okay, I'm going to do what it says, I'm going to do what it says. This mirror, it does, it's hard, it's difficult. This doesn't look like me, I've got to fix this. Sometimes it's like building a house on the rock. It's easier to build a house in the sand, but the wise man builds his house on the rock. Look at it, keep going. The rains came down. The rains came down. The streams rose. The winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. What specific thing, when you look at this word, do you go, doesn't look like me. I claim to be a follower of Jesus. First John 2 would say, anyone who claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Romans 8 would say we're supposed to be conformed to the likeness of his son. First Corinthians 3 says that the same thing. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image. We're supposed to be like him. So when you look at him, where do you see it? When you hold up the mirror against your heart, you say, this doesn't look like me. And I don't want to merely listen to this. I want to do what this says. That should be our resolution. And not a resolution in the sense that all the resolutions we've had in the past where you just kind of, well, if it works, it works. If February comes around, I'm not doing it. Well, I'll just set it again next year. But a firm decision to do or to not do something. Saying, God, I need your help on this area. And part of the fruit of the Spirit, according to Galatians 6, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God, maybe you just need to pray. I need some self-control in this area of my life because I don't... Here's the other encouraging thing. First Corinthians would say that no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up against it. Again, this is his promise to you. Some of you need to memorize this book. Start, mem- start committing some of this to memory. Psalm 119.11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart so I don't sin against God. You start putting this, this to memory. You say, okay, God, this is an area I'm struggling with. I'm struggling with sexual immorality, so I'm going to memorize 1 Corinthians 6. And every time I'm tempted with that, I'm just going to hit the devil with it. Because in Matthew 4, when Jesus is tempted three times by the enemy, he responds all three times with Scripture. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. But Jesus can't respond and go, well, I think in the Bible it says uh, something like, I'm paraphrasing here, he quotes the word. That's why I love quoting the word, because I love quoting it to my enemy. So he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. If God is for me, who can be against me? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. You have that same power. You do. Do what it says. 
do what it says. Listen, I love you, church. I know this is a little different message. Aren't you glad you came for an uplifting message tonight? This is... <laughs> this, this is not your typical... I get it. I get it. But we're entering into a new year, and I would love to kick the devil in the teeth in 2017. Okay, you know what? That thing that you've dangled over my life, that overindulgence, that habit, that thing... That shaving that I just keep putting off, I'm done. I'm making a firm decision. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm making a firm decision. I'm going to start doing this instead. That you would resolutely just decide, I'm in. I'm not going to merely listen to this word anymore and deceive myself. I'm going to do it. 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 Jesus himself, put it into practice. You're like the wise man who builds his house on the rock. Here's what I love to do. We've got maybe five minutes. That's all I want to take is five minutes. I love for our prayer partners to come. I wasn't going to do this. I just feel like maybe we should do this. I want our prayer partners to come real quickly. Come on, quickly. If you're a prayer partner, I want you to come down. Here's what I'd love for you to do. Maybe God is just tugging on you and saying, you need to settle this tonight. Make the resolution, a firm decision, not a wavering, aspiring hope, a firm decision, I'm done. I'm done. A firm decision, I'm going to do this. And do what the word says. And maybe you just need some accountability. You need somebody just to, you know, there's, there's a great verse that says, confess your sins to each other in James. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I think part of the victory comes in just saying, hey, I'm struggling with this, and that's okay. You're not going to find condemnation and judgment here. You're going to find love and restoration here. It's part of our identity as a church. We want to restore you. We don't want to leave you where you're at. We're going to love you where you're at, but we're going to move you where God wants you to be. And that's part of this whole talk tonight is going to move you in a new place in 2017. So maybe you confess something you're struggling with. You say, you know what? This is an area of my life that I know doesn't match this book. And I want to confess that. I'm going to start tonight. I'm not waiting until January 1. I'm starting tonight to do what the word says. Let them pray for you. There's power in prayer. So why don't you stand with me? The band's going to play. Just a few minutes, I'll come back up and dismiss us. But if that's you, you say, I need prayer tonight. I need prayer because I know I've tried to do it on my own. You can't do it on your own. You need the power of Christ within you. Let us pray for you. Let's sing together. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.